This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, things might look a little bit different around here. I got a new camera, so I apologize if anything is off. I was like, I just need to get this shot. I'm losing my light, so we're just going to make do. Uh, And you know what, we're just going to hop into the questions because the first one is actually kind of related. The question is, are you hiring? I would love to work with you someday. And then there was another question here too that says, how could a Canva designer or social media manager work with you? So I'm not hiring a Canva designer or social media manager at this moment, but I definitely do think that one of the things I need to do in 2023 is hire. More specifically, I've been trying to hire a production assistant for a really long time. It's just a really hard role to fill. So if that sounds like you, to answer this question, how would I work with you? Call me old school if you want, but if you are looking for a job or to get a client, I just think keep it to email, you know, send me a portfolio that has some actual work examples of work that you've done, projects that you've worked on, whether they're, you know, exactly related or not. I think people get too hung up on that. You know, just show that you are a good worker. And like, you know, I think that that says a lot about you, whether it's super related to the job that you're pitching for or not. Be professional. Don't forget the small things, you know, addressing people by name. But yeah, I think those little things really do help a lot with your pitches. So yeah, um, that's the answer to that question. And if you are a production assistant, if you know how to operate a camera and you live in Michigan and you can pass a background check, slide in my emails, not my DMs. Okay, the next question is tips for getting clients. And then they said for my little sister specifically. So I've answered this question 10,020 times, I think. So I think I'm going to answer it a little bit differently this time. I think this is really a mindset question. I think you're putting so much power in the client's seat which is understandable, right? They're the ones with the money that's going to pay you, I get it. But I think we really need to be thinking, what do I have to offer a particular group of people or in, you know, an ideal client? And I think once you're able to answer that, you'll be able to answer the, okay, now where do I find these people? How do I approach them a little bit better? Because like I said, I could tell you, you know what, I got my first client through a friend of a friend working at a nonprofit, but I don't, suggest that all of you go get a job at a nonprofit, that might not be your ideal client, or you might not have a service to offer that exact same client. So you really need to know who you're pitching to and then figure out how you can approach them, which services you can provide them, you know, what messaging is going to resonate with them and all of that. I don't think that niching is everything because I definitely dabbled in the beginning. I didn't only work with one particular type of client. I definitely, you know, worked with a lot in the beginning, especially, but I do think having a better understanding of who you're talking to helps a lot. And if you're in the Freelance Friday Club, we'll actually be doing a masterclass with a super talented marketer. Her name's Nina Adio. I've worked with her for years in a lot of different capacities. She's been my coaching client in the past. We've been in masterminds together. We're currently in a mastermind together. I just adore her. She's so smart. And she, I said to her, I think on our first coaching call, like you are 
the best person I know at niching and really understanding your audience. And so she's teaching a class in the Freelance Friday Club this January all about how to niche down. I think it'll help y'all a lot. So I'll leave the link if you want to join in the show notes. Speaking of 2023, the next question says goals for 2023. So from a business perspective, it is to systematize a lot more of what I have going on. I have, you know, spent a couple of years really perfecting, at least in like the digital products, online education side of the business, really perfecting the offer, gathering feedback from students, getting testimonials, running different courses a few times, and, you know, really like perfecting it. Now I know that I have good products. Now I need to develop systems and frameworks for them that do not require me to constantly be hustling, hustling, hustling. So I do have some ideas. I don't want to bore you with all the nitty gritty of that, but I am working on some things that uh, I think are really going to help. Also kind of on the business side, but kind of on the personal side too, I just want to be a little bit more gentle with myself in a lot of ways. Again, I think that comes down to hiring. I do need to get a little bit of help around here. You know, I have been fully by myself, more or less, with the help of like a few freelancers here and there for the past six months. And I can do it. I did do it. I crushed it. I'm proud of myself, but I don't have to do it alone. Just being real, I had my my trust kind of hurt last year. Not This isn't just about, about one person. It's about multiple people, actually. And it's hard for me to open myself up So that again, because running a business is deeply personal and, you know, it just requires so much of my personal sacrifice in my personal life that opening myself up to, you know, working with other people long term is scary, but I think it's something I need to do for my physical health, for my mental health. And then from a personal perspective, I really want to get back to Paris. I really, you know, haven't done a ton of traveling since 2020. And I actually want to do something a little wild and I want to stay there for a while like maybe a month or so. So we'll see if that happens. This is a great question. Contract length terms, pros and cons, six month, one year, month to month, et cetera. It's, I don't know why I say et cetera, so weird. Um, okay, I love this question. There are obviously, yes, there are pros and cons to long contracts. There are pros and cons to short contracts. And I think it depends on where you're at in your business at that time. And also what your goals are. So like if you're like me and you're like, hey, I want to live in Paris for a month this year, maybe I don't want to sign a year-long contract with a client. Also, though, I find season of business affects this a lot. I have found the more mature your business gets, the less you need those long-term kind of anchor clients. For me, things just pop up. Like in 2022, I could have never predicted some of the deals that I got, some of the you know opportunities I got even a month before. They kind of came out of nowhere and they were really great offers. So because of that, I was really lucky that I wasn't locked into any long drawn out contracts that would have prevented me from doing some of those things and hopping on a plane to shoot a LinkedIn learning course, things like that, for example. So yeah, it does depend. I think Take uh, take a look at your finances. Obviously, when you're first starting out, signing a client for a year can feel really good because that's kind of the next best thing to that salary that you probably just left from your day job. So I'm never going to tell people to not pay attention to the money, not listen to the money, right? But you also have to pay attention to how you're feeling. And sometimes I find that long contracts can feel a little bit constricting 
or prevent you from going after other opportunities, whether they're personal or professional opportunities that you want to go after. What must-have skills should a social media manager have? So I think the big things are going to be creativity. You have to be able to think on your feet, pitch new ideas, stay in tune with what's going on in the social media world in terms of creative new ideas. But I also think you need to be analytical. And sometimes I do see true creatives like artists, you know, like the true artists of the world struggle in this role, actually, because they are too creative almost or they're a little too married to their work. And so when they get criticism um, from a client, for example, or just when you have to start making decisions and start having to analyze that creative work, it can be hard. So I do think, you know, you need to have a balance. Some people are a little, you know, I don't think anybody is like a 50-50 balance, but I think you need to be able to keep them in check a little bit. And then lastly, I would say organization, organization for sure, because, you know, especially if you're working with multiple brands at once, I mean, you've got 50,000 Instagram accounts you're logged into and you've got reports all over. I mean, there's a lot of like admin to this job, to be honest. And I guess I would also say communication is a huge superpower too. being able to communicate with your clients, speak their language, translate what we're seeing from a social media perspective and put it into layman's language and just being pleasant to work with. So I I would put that all under communication. So I'd say those four are probably the biggest skills. What do you want for Christmas? Well, Christmas is over now that I'm recording this. It's a few days after Christmas, but I actually have kind of a hot take on Christmas presents. I don't like the over commercialization of Christmas. It's one of the reasons that I find this time of year very stressful. And I always have to say, like, I'm never bashing anyone. Like, if you love gifts and that's how you show your love, that's amazing. I love that for you. It's not. That is not my love language um, gifts. So really, the only person I truly exchange gifts with is my husband. This year, I told him I wanted the Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk lipstick, which I'm wearing right now. I asked for a Detroit Tigers baseball cap, a new Carhartt hat, the tan one, um... That's, I don't know. That was, I I think some other stuff, but those were the big things. Oh, a sweatsuit. He got me a really cute, like tan sweatsuit. I'm a simple girl. What can I say? Are Facebook ads still worth it? I think so. I think it depends, of course, on your industry. I don't recommend anybody just go out and blow $50,000 on Facebook ads. I think you've got to test. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely still see like my agency partner, for example, I know they run a lot of Facebook ads for their clients, direct consumer clients, B2B clients, and they see huge success with those. I have tested running Facebook ads this year and our ads did perform well. I wouldn't say that I saw earth shattering, like my business changed overnight, but we got a few sales. Like, you know, it, it, it paid for itself, let's just say. Um, we're going to test doing YouTube ads this year or 2023. So yeah, I, I think ads, my thing with those are you always need to talk to someone who knows what they're doing or really invest in your education and really learn them well before you start saying they work or they don't work because they can just be really challenging. Resource recommendations for learning how to edit videos. Um, my video course, the video lab is a great entry level, you know, just learn 
the basics of cutting, the basics of storytelling, the basics of structuring your videos, subtle plug, not so subtle. I'll link it in the show notes for you as well. But beyond that, honestly, I would just say YouTube. I mean, I will say I did go to school for video. You don't have to, but I just like to put that out there as, you know, being honest that I've been like taking video classes since I was around 15, 16 years old. So I learned, you know, from a professor, like in a classroom, that's how I learned how to edit. But whenever I am looking to do something, I'm like, oh, I wonder how to make the text do this or, you know, just learn a new, whatever, a little trick. I just go on YouTube and most everything's there. Thoughts on blogging as a starting point to repurposing content. Are blogs still relevant? I definitely think blogs are still relevant, and I think that blogs are a fantastic place to repurpose content. I always recommend clients go back, like if they're like, I don't know what videos to start filming, go back. Do you have a blog from years ago? Look at those old blog posts and start filming those as videos. And then you can even update those old blog posts with videos, especially if they perform well in search already, then that can be a great way to start getting views on your YouTube videos by embedding it into a high performing blog post. Blogging is definitely still relevant. I think that the style of blogging is different. Like, you know, back in my day when I first started blogging and being on social media, it was very much like this curated editorial, um, sort of like a YouTube channel, you know, like you got to know the creator, you got to know the blogger and you had kind of this relationship with them. And I think nowadays it's a little bit more technical, like it's a little more SEO. I actually don't have a blog anymore. I, it's one of those things that I keep wanting to do and just don't do. But if I were to start my blog again, I think I would definitely be thinking that high search content. I wouldn't be saying like, Hey guys, today I'm going to answer your questions like this. I'd probably leave this to YouTube or Instagram. Whereas my blog, I would do 10 ways to start a blog, 10 ways to become a social media manager, like those types of content. This is definitely a hot topic. Do you ever get judged for remaining child-free? It's totally personal, just curious. Obviously, I don't know what's in people's heads, so I don't know if I get judged. I'm sure somebody somewhere is judging me. I would say the most troubling thing is, you know, you don't know what tired is, or, you know, just wait, you'll experience struggle, or your life is hard, you know, like those types of comments. Even just taking myself out of it, you know, I have so many friends who are my age, child-free, and are taking care of elderly parents sick parents uh, who have beat childhood cancer or even cancer as a young adult. I mean, like there's so many things that like you just don't know what people are going through. So to say you don't know what tired is or you don't know what struggle is, is just so unbelievably offensive. I also think it's pretty ableist. But listen, I understand raising children is very hard for sure. I don't want to like diminish that or, you know, take away from that. Going back to the judgment part, I don't think it's so much judgment, but I do think, you know, I do think in my business, sometimes women have a hard time relating to me, women that are my age. I think younger women have a hard time relating to me because I'm older, but they relate to my lifestyle more. Women who are my age sometimes are like, you know, I only have limited hours in the day to work on my business. And I get that. And I am always straightforward that I've never you know, that's never been a plan for me. I will share what works for me, apply it to your own life and your own circumstances, however you can. And that goes for anybody that goes for anybody who's younger and maybe is working and, you know, going to school at the same time. You're not going to have 40, 50 hours a week to work on your business. You're going to need to consolidate that into 10 hours a week 
and, you know, apply what you can that goes for people who may have a disability and can't like do these marathon sprints that I can do because I have the energy for them. We have to be realistic about we what we can and cannot do and what we do and do not have time for. And I think that's just really important in the online space to not compare, but just to take little nibblings of what everyone's sharing and, and make our own unique recipe. How not to give up and when do you think you should just let it go? Career. Well, I do think it's important to be realistic with yourself because, yeah, I think that persevering, consistency, you know, I talk about those things all the time. Those are huge pieces of, of business, but you can't do that so long when it's not working. If it's just not working, it's just not working. Give yourself a period of time. If I were going to start a new YouTube channel or something, I might say I'm going to give it three months, you know, three months of consistent weekly uploads before I say, okay, this didn't work or this did work. Again, going back to the client length thing, maybe I'm going to sign this client client for a six month contract to see how it goes. If I'm happy or if I'm unhappy, that's going to help me decide whether or not we resign and things like that. So give yourself a time frame to commit to and to be consistent with. How do you actually not give up? I think you have to remember why you're doing it. Whenever I find myself treating what I'm doing like a job and I feel like I'm just like a machine, I start to hate it. I'm like, I am forced to do these videos. I'm forced to do, you know, like whatever. I hate it. I can just at any time of day give you a few names of people who, you know, I've had really good relationships with because of these videos and this podcast or clients that I've helped start or scale their businesses through my social media management services. Like I can give you these tangible examples. I always have to keep them at the forefront. Otherwise, yeah, I do want to give up because it just feels like, why am I doing this? So always keep your keep your why in mind for sure. What to do when your clients reach and engagement is super high, but not converting into sales. That's a good question. I think the thing that's missing there is what about their traffic? You know, I'm assuming that they can't just purchase, I guess on Instagram, you can do like purchase in the app, right? But in most cases, you're going to want to pay attention to traffic as well. So people might like your memes, for example, but they're still not clicking over to purchase. So in that case, I would change your KPI, change the metric that you're most focused on, because it sounds like you're very focused on reach and engagement. I would change that from reach and engagement to website clicks. And I would do everything I could to get as many people over to the website. Pay attention to how people who have blogs do it. Like, I don't know why this is the first thing that comes to my head, but Martha Stewart, for example, I follow her on Instagram. They still do blogs. And so they'll often do like, this is the most popular holiday cookie recipe. Find more in our profile or something like that. They're probably getting less engagement on that post because it's not that interesting of a post, but they're actually driving traffic over to the website because they're compelling me. I'm I'm curious. I want to know this holiday cookie recipe. So pay attention to how people who are, you know, have traffic-based campaigns do it. Yeah, a lot of the times what performs the best, what oohs and ahs the best results in like zero dollars. Not always, but but a lot of times. So I think it's about shifting your focus and your objective. How does one overcome analysis paralysis? My biggest struggle of all time. Watch my video on perfectionism. I just posted it because I, you know, I really do think that was like the word of the year. I, so many of my peers and myself have struggled with that. Um, I would say my best like quick advice on that though is just nobody else is paying 
that close of attention to anything. Like I said, before this video, I was like losing my mind because just nothing was going well. You know, I'm still sick. So my voice is like not there yet. I, you know, don't love my makeup. I wore a mask on Christmas. So I have a pimple on my face. And I'm just like, I just have to sit down and just record the thing. At the end of the day, it's either I show up or I don't. Today, I'm showing up imperfectly. I would have loved for this episode for me to be super glam and feeling, you know, on top of the world. It's just not going to happen. So do I just not do it then? You know, like you have to weigh those options for yourself. But most of the time, people are way more forgiving on us than we are on ourselves. And I also think you just need to try something. If that's what you're struggling with, and analyzing is like, what type of content should I do? What type of client should I work with? How much should I charge? You just got to charge something. You just got to get one client. And then you can decide, did I like them? Did I not like them? Did I feel like I got paid enough? Did I feel like I, you know, got paid all right? And then you can like start, you know, changing those variables around, but you can't experiment with anything if you don't start with something. How did the HoneyBook deal fall into your lap? Congrats, by the way. Okay, so this is tea, but okay, so here's the deal on the HoneyBook thing. If you don't know what they're talking about, I was in a HoneyBook ad in 2022. It played over the top of a lot of my videos and a lot of other videos you've probably seen. Um, and yeah, it was like a little testimonial video, just like a fun little video. So HoneyBook has an affiliate program, basically. It's called HoneyBook Pros. And I didn't realize it, but you know, when I first started using HoneyBook late, 2020 or 2021, I started talking about it a lot in my YouTube videos and recommending it to you all a lot. And turns out I was one of their biggest referrers. I think that at one point, I'm I'm sure it's not true anymore because I don't talk about them a ton anymore, although I still do love them and recommend them. But at one point, I was their top referrer of the whole program, which was pretty cool. So they started to get to know me and yeah, they reached out to me Um probably a month before and said, Hey, we're looking to create these testimonial videos. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. Sounds good. I don't know. I don't know why I said yes. Like it just was like a sure thing. You know what I mean? I, I really do love HoneyBook. And I thought, why not? What I want to say is tea about this. It's just so funny to me. It's this whole optics thing. I have had so many people come out of the woodwork about that ad. I have had people from high school, people who I hadn't seen since I was a kid, um, you know, just all kinds of people, people who were like big influencers, just so many people like, oh my gosh, congrats on this. And, and like, it's cool. Like it is a cool thing, but I, I think some people think it's something different than what it is. It was literally just, yes, I got paid for the day, which I'm not, it, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for it or anything like that, but it wasn't a lot just to clarify. It was a small amount of money and that's it. So I think some people think it's like this, I get paid every time the ad runs or something. It's, I got paid a small amount of money for one day. It was hard work. If you've ever been on a set, I, I was working. Let's just say that. I was working for my supper. I was talent in a short commercial and that that's all that there was to it. So I appreciate everyone saying congratulations, but I just think it's, it brings forth a more interesting conversation about optics. And like some people don't really believe you do what you say you do until it's like in front of their face. You know, how old are you? How old do you guys think I am? I always like to ask this question because my age range on YouTube just varies and on the podcast varies so much. I am. I'm taking I'm I'm delaying so people can write it in the comments before I uh I say it. I'm just really curious. I'm 31 and uh 
My 30s have not been my favorite. Everyone told me 30s are your best. So far, I loved like 27 through 29 the best. But, you know, I still got eight years of my 30s. So we'll see if maybe 37 through 39 will be my fave. I don't know. Can I enroll in your course even if I'm not residing in the U.S.? Yes. I get this question all the time. And you definitely can. Like you physically can pay and stuff like that. I, we accept cards from everywhere. But sometimes people are asking specifically like, you know, are there geo-specific references? Obviously, you know, Anytime I mention money, it's going to be in U.S. dollars. So if I say, hey, this package, you know, is usually between $1,500 and blah, blah, blah. You know, just take your Google fingers and translate that into your local dollars, of course. But beyond that, everything is pretty universal. And I always like to just tell people, too, I have had so many international clients. My first long-term social media client was in France. I've had other French clients. I've had clients in Every continent except for Antarctica, obviously. And no, I've had a coaching client in Australia. So yeah, I've had clients in Asia, Africa, Europe, North America. No, not South America. I haven't had a South American client, but you get the deal. A lot of continents. So, you know, I've worked with clients all over. So all of these All the principles and things like that that I teach in my courses are pretty universal. And if you join the Freelance Friday Club or the Accelerator, anything that's like a group environment, I always have a very diverse group of people in there. We've got members who are from, you know, all over the world. So that's always helpful to know, too, that you're not going to be the only one. Thank you so much for tuning in today to this episode. I really hope this was interesting and helpful. If you have any questions that you want to be included in a future Q&A, you can leave them in the questions on Spotify or in the comments on YouTube. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to leave me a review, that would be so, so helpful. I hope you all have the most beautiful New Year's Eve. I hope nothing but good things for you. You all bring me such joy every Friday when I open up my DMs and I see Um, an episode has resonated with you or you've taken something away from it. Um, And just every day uh, that I talk to you, you really mean a lot to me. So I'm wishing you all the best health, happiness, and I will talk to you in my next episode. Bye.